Well, hey everyone, hope you're well. Man, if I haven't seen you on a screen somewhere, Happy New Year, let me say my Happy New Year to you. Um, it's over to me to kick on our Philippines series. So if you haven't uh, listened to last week, Sarah kicked us off so brilliantly well. So I'm not going to really start with any background, any history, any context, uh, because Sarah did such a fab job of that last week, and I definitely will not do as great a job. Um, so it's good to just move on. But just to remind us that this letter was written by a guy called Paul in prison to this church in Philippi. And I just want to say, I love Philippians. It's often a go-to place for me. I've got some familiar places that I find in Philippians that I know has been a source of great courage and strength and different places that I've memorized to hold on to, uh, different segments of different chapters. So if you haven't read Philippians, it's an easy letter to read. You can read it all in one sitting. You can get the grasp of the context. So let's just dive in. I want to I start again in chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1. I'm going to pick up from verse 12 to 26. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a chunk and then comment, pull some stuff out for that, and then read a chunk and comment. But ultimately, what I want us to see is for Paul, for this Apostle Paul, for this, this man called Paul who encountered Jesus in such a radical way, for him, Jesus was his message and his entire life. And what we're going to see here is Paul showing us that there's actually nothing that can prevent the message of Jesus spreading. Life and death, not even life, not even death can prevent Jesus the message of Jesus spreading. So let's read the first segment here, picking it up from verse 12. And if you're reading from maybe the ESV uh, translation or the NIV, it might say something like the advance of the gospel as a header. So verse 12 says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have been confident of this, being confident in the, in the Lord of my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from rivalry or envy, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm here for the defense of the gospel, but the former proclaim Christ out of a selfish ambition. Not sincerely, but thinking that they're afflicting me somehow in my imprisonment. What then? What are we going to do about this, he's saying? Only that in every way, whether by pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. This is incredible. You see, for Paul, it was all about the gospel moving, spreading, advancing. And we're good to remember that actually the gospel isn't, isn't merely or primarily just a clever theological concept, although it is. It's not just a set formula in, in the way someone can believe in something, although it is that as well. But primarily, the gospel is about a person, and that person is Jesus. For Paul, he knew this for well. It all centered and orbited and hinged on Jesus, everything. And you see, Paul's mission and his passion was to preach Jesus and to see this message of Jesus spread. Jesus is the good news. You know, there's incredible power in the gospel. Do we, do we, do we know that? Do you, do you hold on to that? There's incredible, incredible power in the gospel because the power is found in Jesus. Paul knew this full well. And he's making it crystal clear that there's actually nothing that can prevent this message from getting out there. You know, he didn't, 
What's fascinating, actually, is that Paul didn't see his limitations as, as an issue. I'm sure they were tough. Of course they were. But he didn't drill down on these limitations as the issue. But he looked at them as an incredible opportunity. He says stuff like, right at the start here, you know, what's happened to me, me, me being in prison is actually helping. It's helping the message of Jesus spread. This is just remarkable. You see, there's no limitation for the transforming power of Jesus. And we need to remember that. In our lives right now, whatever you're going through, there is no limitation for the transforming power of the life of Jesus in your life. No barrier, no hurdle, no hardship, no iron door, no shackle, no prison, nothing. Nothing can prevent this message of Christ spreading. This reminds me, um, several years ago now, uh, when we lived down south, uh, I knew someone that actually gave his heart to Jesus while in prison, behind his locked prison door. And when I read this text, when I see this bit in Philippians, I often think of this guy. And he was, he was in prison at the same time with his, his uncle, actually. And his uncle had become a Christian, and he'd, he'd walk across the wing when they could get out of their cells, and he'd come down to his nephew's cell, and he would tell him about Jesus, and he'd encourage him to read a Bible. And he did. He started to do this. My friend Matt started to do this. He was sat in his prison cell night after night just reading the scriptures, just reading and reading and reading, spent most of the time in his cell and behind the locked door of his prison cell. He said to me afterwards, he said it was like Jesus just walked through the cell door and he encountered the love of God, the love of Christ in his locked prison cell. So there's no no hurdle, no barrier, no prison door that can stop this message of Christ. As well here, Paul's going on to say that not even man's motives are going to trip him up. You know, the twistedness of, of our hearts at times and the different motives in which people are proclaiming Christ. He's recognizing that some are preaching Jesus from love and others not so much for themselves, for their own selfish ambition. But for Paul, whatever the heart, whether pride, selfishness, ambition, rivalry, or to, to cause him more problems, for Paul, if Jesus is preached, man, it is win-win and he will rejoice. He says that. If Jesus is proclaimed, man, I rejoice. You know, he, I think he does this because he knows Jesus is just bigger than it all. He's bigger than all of our circumstances. He's bigger than all of our twisted hearts and motives because we all have them. We can be so arrogant at times to think, maybe not me, but we've all got twisted motives at times. And Paul is able to understand, man, Jesus is bigger than it all. And as long as him and his name is being preached, man, I rejoice. So it's good for us to remember to have a heart like Paul. Let's be clear. He wasn't some sort of wishy-washy, all roads lead to God. No, that just wasn't Paul at all. He was passionate that only one road, he knew, he believed only one narrow road led to God. And that road was Jesus. But he didn't concern himself too much in the, in the, in the, in the, in the twistedness of people's ways and the hearts. He just knew, man, if Jesus is being preached, I can rest secure in that. And we can as well. So as we come to the end of this little section, I want us to see that for Paul, it's win-win. Even though he's in prison, even though sometimes the way that Jesus is being proclaimed, it's a win-win because Jesus, the name of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the transforming power of Jesus is spreading. 
So I want to ask us a question as we close this little section. How do we see this time we're living in right now? How, how are you looking at your life? How am I looking at my life right now? Maybe we feel it's quite prison-like. Uh, granted, it's not going to be quite like Paul, and it's not like some of the persecuted Christians across the planet. And for, for a lot of us, it's but it's it's a prison-like emotionally, isn't it? It can feel prison-like emotionally. I know it has done for me. Man, I know we're, we're surrounded by comfort as well, but, but it's weird. It's such an odd time, and we can feel quite limited and trapped. H- how is that for you? H- how are you looking at this time? What would it look like to have a, a heart like Paul in it? That although we're, we're constricted, we're limited, are we, are we too easily focused on on our limitations, on what we can't do, or what's not happening right now? Or how can we keep Jesus front and center? Keep him front and center, remembering that nothing is impossible for him. So Paul, for Paul, Jesus was his message. He was the message, but more than that, more fundamentally than that, Jesus was his whole life. He was the sum total of Paul's life. And we see this in this next chunk of scripture we're going to read. Chapter 1, verse 19, and go from 19 to 26. And in your Bible, it might say, header, something like, to live is Christ. So Paul continues to write, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it's my eager expectation and hope, though I will not be ashamed at all, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or or death just just a remarkable statement and this one for me to live is Christ and to die is gain if I live in the flesh that means fruitful labor for me yet I don't know what to choose I cannot tell I am hard-pressed between the two my desire is to depart and be with Christ because I know this is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account convinced of this I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Just remarkable this is. And the whole letter, we've got to remember this is one letter and we're pulling out all this gold from just a few statements. But for Paul, he understood, he so understood what Jesus had done for him, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the sum total of who Jesus is, Paul so understood what Jesus had done that it gave him this eternal mindset which gave him perspective to live in the here and now that's why as we go through the letter you're going to see he was able to have joy and peace and hope even in the midst of some challenging circumstances and because eternity was in his mind Paul lived with this ongoing tension this is what we're going to look at here this tension we see within these these statements that I've read out from this scripture says Jesus is going to be honored in my body whether I live or die through life or death then it says for me to live is Christ and die is gain life death live die there's a tension here and he understood this tension this this is what it looked like my my life on earth (laughs) he understood his his mission on the earth but he so longed to be with Jesus in the presence of Jesus. And this was this tension that he said, I'm hard pressed between the two, to live or to die. Let me read this phrase again. For me to live is Christ and to die 
is gained throughout those few verses. This is the phrase that really jumped out to me. How you can get to a place to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In the natural mind, to the natural mind, this is like, what? It's crazy town. Paul's not trying to speed up his death because he is, he's depressed and he's low and he's flat. He's just trying to escape this cruel, evil, twisted, dark world. No doubt life is tough for him. No doubt about it. And he's not pretending it's not. It's not some sort of stoic mindset or attitude. He's just positioning himself and his heart and his life in the right place. In Christ. You know, Paul is famous for saying this phrase, in Christ. You know, as a follower of Jesus, if you've given your heart to Jesus, that's, that's true for you. You are in Christ. We are in Christ. Throughout the New Testament, we see little phrases, he says, like hidden in Jesus, seated in Jesus, grafted into Jesus, baptized into Jesus, in Christ. Paul wants us to see that Jesus is everything to him. He is his whole life. I love this scripture in Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. How does one get to that point without an eternal mindset, without knowing what Jesus has fully done? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. You see, Paul knew that Jesus was both king of life and of death. That's why he could live within this tension. We need to know the same. That's why we, that, uh, that will help us live within this tension. He is king of my life and he is king when I die. He is king of life and death. He says, if I go on living, I just get to tell people about Jesus. And if I die, I go to be in the presence of Jesus. Man, it's incredible. He described this tension within this scripture as what was necessary and what was far better necessary and far better and it's good for us to do the same and somehow have the same mindset what's necessary we need to see that our, our lives count our lives count the work we're doing for the Lord right now it's necessary we're to serve Jesus with all that we do with all of our hearts everything we do is serving the Lord everything there's no sacred and secular divide everything we do is for Jesus everything we're serving him our lives count. We're called to bear fruit in all seasons of life. It will look different through the seasons of life, we're, but we're called to bear fruit, and that fruit is Jesus. For To me, to live is Christ. My life is his. That's necessary to understand. My life is his. Then he says the other side is, but to go, to be with him is far better. Paul said this is his ultimate desire, to depart <laughs> To depart, to be with Christ. To him, he considered it far better. To die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Bonkersville, right? This word depart is akin to like pulling up tent pegs or pulling in the ship's anchor. So for Paul, death was simply about, hey, I've, I've been here for a while. I've lived here for a while, but I'm pulling up my tent pegs and I'm going to a far, far, far better destination. The ship's anchor is being drawn up and we're off again. We're setting sail to a far better place. And that place is home with the Lord. Paul knew that when he went home, he was going home to be with the Lord. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 to 8. Paul says, he's writing to his protege, 
this guy Timothy that has been discipling and he says for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering this is towards the end right before Paul dies I'm already being poured out his life is being poured out and the time for my departure the time for me to pull up these tent pegs and pull in the anchor is near I fought the good fight I finished the race I have kept the faith now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day not only me but also all who have longed for his appearing Paul knew where he's going he faced death head on and he was like man <laughs> I fought the good fight I finished the race I've kept the faith and I'm now going to be with Jesus Paul's making it quite clear that this life is just a journey into forever just passing through scripture says that as well some translations say we're aliens or strangers and we're just pilgrims passing through this world passing through this life into the next Jesus is going to recreate everything to make earth perfect again and and until he does so we're just passing through we're just passing through going from one place to another death was definitely not the end it just was not in Paul's thinking it was actually the completion of his life here on earth like a stamp into forever a transition into forever and do you know what friends are our culture and and if we're not careful the way we live we, we will ignore death we try to ignore death and I get it it's horrible the Bible says it is a horrible enemy it's horrible no one no one likes death you, you'd be mad if you did but we can live trying to ignore it or we fear it or we pretend it's just not going to happen and we 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 bury our head in the sand and we think that life now is the full focus and we've got to squeeze everything out of it and we because we only get one shot and when we're not here it's done man that's just not Paul's thinking he wants us to see something in totally different death wasn't the end and it wasn't something to be confused over or fearful in he knew exactly where he was going his heart was prepared his mind was set he knew he was going to spend forever in the presence of Jesus I mean wow just think about that friend for you and I forever in the presence of Jesus I think Paul's helping us see the importance of how we can live now with an eye on the future with an eternal perspective having having our hearts prepared having our minds set on our forever home with Jesus you know I've got a really good friend one of my closest 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 buddies um he reminds me of Paul in many ways just the way he thinks and speaks he'd, he'll often say to me and it's not long now until we see him I cannot wait until I see Jesus I'm ready to go home at any point and you might think man this is mad but I think it's actually capturing something of Paul's heart and it it provokes me every time every time he says it I'm like man am I ready <laughs> do I think this way you know death for the follower of Jesus the finality the terror of death is no more doesn't mean it's easy man it's not some people are hurting desperately right now I've lost loved ones and it, I still hurt when I think about it it's not easy but what we need to understand is it's not the end it is not the end D.L. Moody said that death may be the king of terrors but Jesus is the king of kings death might be the king of terrors but Jesus is the king of 
all those terrors, over all of those terrors. We see in the word of God that in and through the life of Jesus, what he's done for us, the ultimate sting of death for the believer, for the follower of Jesus has been taken away. And the Bible actually says this, it refers to those that die as those that have fallen asleep. I, I love this because it so undermines death. It like pulls the thread out, takes the terror away. It says in 1 Thessalonians that those that have fallen asleep in the Lord. There's this quote by a guy called Walter Scott that says, death, is it the last sleep? No, it's actually the final awakening. You see, what we need to understand here is when our heart stops, when we die here in the physical world we live in right now, we, we fall asleep and we, we wake up instantly in the presence of Jesus somehow. We wake up in the presence of our Saviour. You know, over the years, I've had the honour, this might sound weird, I've had the honour to conduct several funerals, done scores of funerals actually, and for some that I, I, deep, I knew so well, some very close, it's been both heartbreaking and honouring for friends of mine, for family members, for church family. Man, it's, it's been an honouring position, but heartbreaking and honouring as well. Some of the most painful times, just walking alongside friends and family in some of the most painful times. And preparing for this, I was reminded of a couple that I did the funeral for. They, they died six years apart, a couple in our, our previous church. Dear couple, John and Elizabeth, uh, they died six years apart. And I was reminded of this because on the front of their order of service, we read these words, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. As I was preparing this, I thought, I just felt reminded of that and I, I pulled these orders of services out. I keep them because I want to remember. I want to remember lives that have impacted me. And, and I, I thought to myself, man, these people believed that with all their hearts. They lived as though Jesus was king now and he was a king even when they died. You know, Christian funerals are remarkable. And each time that I've had the honor to conduct a funeral, um, whether it's been at a graveside or a committal service in the crematorium, I always finish with the words of Jesus because we need to remember that he's the king over it all. And he says in John's gospel, John 11, I think it's verse 25 and 26, these are the words of Jesus. And this is what we need to remember. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And if you live and believe in me, you will never die. You know, the certainty of the Christian faith is this, the resurrection to eternal life with God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. The certainty of the Christian faith is resurrection to eternal life with God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This truth totally underpinned and defined Paul's whole life and the question for us is that the same for us does it underpin and define my life do I hold on to Jesus is king of life and his king of death do I hold on to Jesus gave his life for me so that in believing in him I could live forever with him it's an incredible reality that transforms everything are we living now for Jesus knowing that one day we'll be with him forever. You know, if you've given your heart to Jesus, friend, you need to know that the future is very, 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 very bright for you. 
You're connected to the love of God now and it will never be robbed from you. You're going to be with him forever in perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect harmony. Friends, how can we make Jesus the sum total of our lives? Not only our message, but our lives. For for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray together. Before we do, I want to ask the question, is Jesus your whole life? In this time, how can you reset and make him your whole life again? And I want to specifically pray for anyone that's fearing death right now. I felt to do this, like as I was preparing this, to, to pray for, for us if there's any fear of death because Jesus takes the sting away. So why don't we just still our hearts right now, wherever you find yourself. Why don't you close your eyes, maybe place your hand on your heart or extend your hands, however you want to do, just to acknowledge your connection with Jesus right now. And we just honor you, Jesus. And we say, Jesus, you are the son of the living God. You are our savior. You're our friend. You're the one who's transformed our whole lives. And we want to reset, Lord Jesus. We want to say, Jesus, like Paul, we are in you. We are hidden in you. Our lives are your life. Your life is our life. We are so one with you. Jesus, I pray for me, I pray for us that you would be the sum total of our lives. I pray your name will be on our lips. Your name will be on our lips. Your life we would acknowledge in our lives every single day. I just pray right now, Lord Jesus, that if any, anyone is fearing death, this anxiety, this fear, this terror, this uncertainty, this unknown of death. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May his peace, may his love drive out all fear. May his love drive out all fear. Right now, just talk to him. Just ask the presence of Jesus to come and flood your heart again. Flood our hearts, Lord Jesus. We say you're the king of life and you're king of death. You're the king of it all. I pray you transform our hearts more and more and more for your good name's sake. Amen. Amen.